0: Impromptu is a joint production from The Company of Ten and Radio Verulam. The Company of Ten is the resident company at St Albans' Abbey Theatre, which can be found online at abbeytheatre.org.uk. So beautiful. Good morning, Frau Hoffmann. Have you had breakfast? The sea. Don't you think it's beautiful, Madame Barbier?
1: Yes, but have you had breakfast? Where I have lived all my life, well, it's so far away. (laughs) Yes, but what about... I was 12 the first time I saw the sea. And my father took the family to Rugen, an island in the Baltic. Until then, the largest stretch of water I had seen was Lake Titise in the Black Forest, where we normally took our holidays. But the sea... Yes, the sea. I remember the wonder of it. And do you know, this is the first time I've been to the sea since, well,
0: since before the war. I think we're probably too late for breakfast, but they might let us have some coffee. How about you, Pro Hoffman? Would you like some coffee? Coffee? Oh, yes, coffee would be very nice. Thank you. I'll ask the proprietor to bring us some. Madame Villard, could we have some coffee for two on the terrace? She's bringing us some. Thank you. That's very kind. Florence will be back soon. We should talk. Look, I'm not sure that this is something I I Please don't say that. You know how important it is. So important for her, for you, for me, but above all for the boy. He has his future life ahead of him. What happens now could make such a difference.
1: Here we are, Madame Barbier. Coffee for two.
0: Yes, yes, that's all right. We'll see to that.
1: As you wish. I don't know. When I came here, I was so excited. It seemed like... Well, like a dream come true. But now... Yes? But now... I saw them yesterday evening from the balcony of my room. Just after I arrived... I saw them on the sand, chasing each other between the beached boats. Their happiness was... It was like something... It was like a physical thing. A physical thing that reached out and touched me. I can't remember when I was last conscious of joyousness as powerful as that. You see, I'm not sure I could
0: ever give him happiness that sublime. A game on the sand, that's all. Every child enjoys that. We're talking about the boy's future. My daughter will never be able to give him what he needs. What he needs to take his talent to fruition. The talent he inherited from his father. But with you, with you he can achieve the greatness that should have been his father's. There she is. She'll be coming up here to read for the hour while Philippe plays tennis with his friend. I'll make myself scarce. Please, don't have second thoughts now. Think of the boy's future.
2: Good morning, madame. Oh, I'm sorry, did I startle you? Not at all.
1: Well, perhaps a little. Rather wrapped up in my thoughts...
2: Isn't it beautiful? Yes, beautiful. I often think that I should like to spend the rest of my life here. You are on holiday? One heavenly
1: week away from Paris. How can you be so blasé when I regret that all I saw of your beautiful city was during the taxi ride between Gare du Nord and Gare
2: Montparnasse on my way here? (laughs) Like most cities, Paris has its less attractive parts. Places where the ordinary people live. Please don't think me rude, but... Am I right in thinking that you're from Germany? Oh, dear. Is my French that bad? No, it's very good. It's just... Well, it reminds me of
1: someone. Reminds you? My French reminds you of someone? A German? It doesn't matter. But I'm intrigued. It's nothing. I saw you yesterday evening from the balcony of my room. Just as I arrived... You were on the sand with a young boy, having such fun chasing around the beached boats. Your son? Yes, my son. He looks a fine young man. Strange that you should find my Germanic French reminds you of someone. Because watching you and your... Watching you and the boy last evening, I was reminded of someone... There was a gracefulness about his movement that reminded me. Do you have children? No. No children. The war robbed me of my husband before any children came along. The war took my
2: husband too. But not before we were blessed. Your husband? Yes, my husband. Why so surprised? The war made widows of women on both sides. Forgive me. You are right.
1: Many women on both sides lost husbands and sons.
2: It is sometimes hard to think beyond one's own misery. And there's no one else? Someone who might become father to a child? It's still not too late.
1: No. I could never marry again. There will only ever be one man in my life. A child by any other
2: man could never be my child. But what about you? Oh, my mother has ambitions to marry me off to a man I've known since we were children. The two families had hoped we would marry, but the war got in the way. For me, that was a blessing. He wasn't the man for me then, and he certainly isn't now.
1: But wouldn't it bring you security?
2: These are hard times for a woman alone. Hard, yes, but my only concern is for my philippe. Such a marriage would not... I can cope. Yes, yes, but is coping enough... The boy has talent. It needs to be. What do you know about his talent? Who are you? My dear, I'm someone who wants to help. Help? What help? I need no help. Who are you?
1: My husband was in the army. And in 1942, his unit was based in Paris for a year. During that time, during that time, well, he met someone.
2: What has that got to do with me?
1: I think you know exactly what it has to do with you. I
2: don't know what you're talking about. Philippe, he'll be back. I must go to him. His name was Anton.
1: He was a fine pianist.
2: Why are you here?
1: To claim my husband's son. My son. Your son? How dare you? Yes. My son. The son I should have borne him. I am the mother Anton would have wanted. Expected
2: for his son. My son's father is dead. I am Philippe's only living parent. What claim can you have over that? Not my claim.
1: Anton's claim. A father's claim. No! But don't you see? Anton never intended you to bear his child. That was for me, his wife. The
2: wife he loved so passionately. He loved me as much as I loved him. He would want no other mother for the child I bore him. And this love, this passionate love for you, why did that bring no children? Why was it a barren love?
1: Barren? There was nothing barren about our love. It was a love that would have borne fruit. It was just... Just what? Please. I know that... Well, all this must be painful. But we must talk. He would want us to. Anton would want us to talk. If you loved him as much as you say, you know he would
2: want it. Did you know? When he was in Paris, did you know about me? Yes. He told
1: you? No. The wife of one of his comrades told me. At first I thought it was a spiteful lie. When we were younger, she had been sweet on Anton and hated me for marrying him then I thought perhaps it was true. After all, why not? Anton had been away from me for a long time and like other men, he had urges and if he satisfied those urges with some French tart, well, that meant nothing, nothing at all. If I had any concerns, it was that this tart would give him a dose of the clap. Tart? You think me a tart? But now I know, I know that it wasn't like that,
2: that it was... Love. That's what it was. It was a love so passionate that it made a beautiful child. The child I should have given him. Then why didn't you?
1: Do you think that wasn't my most precious wish, my most sacred reason for being alive? We had only been married for six months before Anton was taken into the army. Do you think that I'm not constantly tortured by the realisation of how we squandered those precious months? But then we seem to have so many happy years ahead of us.
2: But he must have come home on leave. Once.
1: He had been in Paris for a year. Then came the news... News that made whores and the claps seem like the most wonderful things you could imagine. Anton's unit was being transferred to the Eastern Front. Of course, it was never officially admitted, the disaster that was Stalingrad. But you only had to go into the streets of the town to hear the stories of husbands and sons lost on those frozen killing fields. He had a 48-hour embarkation leave, 48 hours during which I was determined to conceive his child a child that would take my beloved Anton into the future a future in which I was convinced he would not be present and when we had said what was our final goodbye the wait oh the wait only two weeks but it seemed like an eternity even then it wasn't until another month had gone by that I dared to believe it dared to believe that I was carrying Anton's child. His child? You were pregnant with his child? Oh, his letter in reply to mine, giving him the news. No poet, not a Goethe, not a Shakespeare could have written words so, so exultant, so full of life, so full of love. It was the last letter I received from him. Just a matter of five days before the telegram. A courageous officer who had fallen defending the Reich. And eight days before I miscarried. I think it was grief that made our child give up the will to live. At least Anton died believing he was a father. He was a father.
2: I'm sorry. At least you were able to say goodbye. I didn't have that comfort. He'd been away from Paris on some exercise. On the day he was due back, I I waited breathlessly for him to come to me. I had such news for him, such wonderful news. The hours went by and still he didn't come. I thought it must have been some army thing that had kept him, but the next day it was the same. And then, and then I got this photograph.
1: I have this picture as well. It was taken just before he went into the
2: army. But does yours have a message on the back? He loved you. He loved me.
1: But the boy, his son... Not just his son. Our son. The son he died thinking I would give
2: birth to. He never intended you to bear his child. He loved me. The message shows that. He would have been happy to think of me as mother to his son.
1: You say that Anton loved you, and I know that's true. But what about your love for him? Surely it makes you ask what he would want for the son you bore him.
2: He would want me to give his son the love of a mother, the love of a natural mother. Maternal love,
1: yes. I can give him motherly love, because by rights... I should have been his birth mother. But I can give him so much more. I can give him all he needs to take on the mantle of his father. To become the great pianist
2: Anton would have been. To make Anton live again. And you think we don't have teachers at the piano in Paris? Monsieur Jospin is an excellent Mr teacher. Jospin?
1: Who is this Monsieur Jospin? What can he offer Anton's son? I am offering him the chance to study under the man who taught his father... A man who has sent concert pianists on to international fame. Paul Keller, Katerina Belensky. You've heard of them? Only two weeks ago, Belensky played the Goldberg Variations to great acclaim at Carnegie Hall in New York. That's what I can offer Anton Stan.
2: What do I care for these people? They mean nothing to me. I can give Philippe all he needs. But you can't. Deep down,
1: you know you can't. Where will he be brought up in your world? One of those corners of Paris where the ordinary people live. What has that to offer except working-class drudgery and all the stifling of imagination that it imposes? I can offer a big house in an exclusive suburb of Munich. A house where each day he will practice on a Broadwood concert grand. Yes, A Broadwood, The same type of piano that Beethoven played. I can offer the company of cultured people. People who will open his mind not only to great music, but to the wider glories of European culture. And this man you say you loved so passionately. Don't you think that is what Anton would want for his son?
2: Are you so uncertain of Anton's legacy to his son that you think it has to be mollycoddled in a big house, surrounded by smart-talking people? Oh no, I have more faith in the gift Anton left our son. It will flower amongst ordinary people. We'll be stronger for it. Stronger because of what you can never give him. Games on the beach, chases between the boats, climbing trees, swimming in the Seine, a proper childhood... A childhood that Anton would have wanted his son to enjoy. But don't you see? If the boy is going to
1: achieve what he is capable of, what his father would have achieved, he must work for it. There will be no time for childish things. He must practice every day. Genius demands
2: sacrifice. No! My son will enjoy a happy childhood. A natural childhood. His father's talent will arise out of that. I will not have him locked away, crushed in your cocoon of sacrifice. But don't you see... Please, go. I do not need your help and neither does my son. Please, think about it. Think how he shared
1: Anton's love. Ask yourself, what would he have wanted?
2: Shared his love? Did you say shared? But sharing is something that two people agree to do. Would you have shared Anton's love with me if it had been up to you? Of course not, but you had no choice. No choice at all. Well, I do have a choice and you know my answer. Now please, go. You! Brought
0: her here. I only wanted. How it... dare you! You, you interfering bitch! You speak to me, your mother, like that. You should be ashamed. Mother, you're no mother of mine. It's because I am your mother, a mother who cares for her daughter's happiness, and a grandmother who wants her grandson to become the great man he is capable of being. Grandson. Your only interest in your grandson is to be rid of the embarrassment. No, I want what's right for him. Madame Hoffman's family are wealthy. They can give Philippe the special tuition he needs. I can give my son all he needs. Florence, you know that's not true. Even now you struggle to pay, Monsieur Jospin. How will you cope when the boy needs a more advanced teacher? My dear... Don't you see how much better things would be for Philippe in Germany, with Anton's wife and his grandparents? And there could be more children for you, with Julian! Never! Julian loves you, you know that. I want nothing to do with that family. But that's all in the past. Please don't let it ruin the rest of your life. No, it's a past I can never forget. The man you would
2: have as my future father-in-law, he stood there and watched as those women tried to kill my child. He urged them on as they shaved my head. He was a policeman, for God's sake. He should have stopped them. More children, you say? Do you think I could
0: ever give birth to a child knowing its grandfather was a monster? They were difficult times. If he had tried to stop them, those women would have turned on him. Of course there was anger. Some of those women had lost husbands or sons, perhaps both, to the boche And of course Julian's father had no time for you. His son was suffering as a prisoner of war in Germany. And you, the girl he'd been practically engaged to before he went off to fight for his country, you were carrying on with a German, a brazen collaborator. Collaborator,
2: eh? Well, I didn't notice you refusing the little luxuries Anton brought to the house, the soap, the chocolate... No, I don't remember any patriotic disdain of such offerings. Yes, well... uh, Julian's father, the splendid sergeant of the Gendarme, what about his patriotic war record? How many Jews did he help to round up for the
0: gas chambers of Dachau and Auschwitz? He had no choice. With a wife and two children to care for, what could he do but obey orders? But he hated all that, all that Jewish stuff. Hated it? Well, it didn't
2: much sound like it the night when he swaggered into the bar Tivoli, proudly announcing
0: that he and his team had just rounded up 25 Jews for the velodrome. Of course it was terrible, what happened to those poor people. But we had no idea. No one knew. How could we know what the Bosch were doing with them? And would it have made a blind bit of difference if we had known? But as I said, that was all a long time ago. We have to think of the future... Your future, my future. Oh, Florence, I only want it to be like it was before. We were such a happy community. I only want it to be like that again. When our neighbours didn't cold shoulder me, but smiled when we met in the street. I want to be the proud grandmama of the children you and Julian will have. To push the pram around the streets and have our friends cooing over them. Well, now I know how sending my son away would make your life more bearable. Oh, but darling, yours too. Julian is a fine man, with an excellent career ahead of him. He would give you so much love, and yes, security. Ah, security. Something you might share in, perhaps. How can you say such a thing? My only concern is for your future happiness. All right, it would be nice to know that I might look to my daughter and son-in-law for a little help as I grew older. Even with what I earn at the Tivoli, your father's pension, has left me barely enough to keep body and soul together. But it's you, Florence. You I think of, mostly. I long for you to be happily married. And that could happen. It could. If you just allowed Philippe to go back to his real homeland. Back to his father's family. Then the last barrier preventing your marriage to Julian would be gone. He is a good man, Florence. A man who loves you deeply. I know you would be so happy with him. You could finally enjoy a love like the one I enjoyed with your dear father. A love like you enjoyed with my dear father? God forbid! How dare you!
2: Love? Is that what you call it? Oh, I know all about that love lying in bed as a girl, pulling the blanket over my head, trying to shut out my dear father's drunken obscenities and the screams of pain coming through the wall from the love nest next door. That's what I thought love was until I met Anton, a hateful, violent business. But with him, there were no obscenities, only soft words of passionate love. No violence, only a a blissful merging of two bodies. No screams, only soft cries of ecstasy. Do you really believe that I would be prepared to give up Philippe, the child of that brief visit to heaven, for the
0: sake of that dolt Julian and his adolescent groping? Oh, Anton, if only you knew how much I hate that man. Oh, I do, believe me, I do. He has made you a stranger to me. You, my own flesh and blood. And because of your filthy relationship, I am still shunned by people I used to call friends. I'm an outcast in my own neighbourhood. And all because that stinking hun seduced you with his. with his. with his love. Something
2: you couldn't begin to understand.
0: Love? Is that what you think? You pour scorn on me for accepting his little gifts, but believe me, I wasn't the only one. That man wasn't above lining his pockets by selling those little luxuries to others in our community. And if the customer was pretty enough, he was quite happy to accept payment in kind. No, that's not true. You know it's true. You weren't the only pretty Parisienne he seduced. No, not true. Well, I hope he suffered a long, agonising death I hope he died alone in some cold, godforsaken place. I hope he died choking on his own vomit, rotting in his. Oh, rotting in his own shit! No! You're no daughter of mine. We're finished. I want you out of my life. You and that little German bastard. <laughs>
2: Mademoiselle Barbier. Florence. Bonjour, Madame Villal. Bonjour, Philippe. Have you played some good tennis? Yes, I beat Michelle. Oh, that's excellent. Do you know where Maman is? Your mother is just talking to someone. Why don't you come and play for me? Oh, if you'd like me to. The piece you played yesterday. You know, by that, uh, uh, what's his name? Schubert, the impromptu. Yes, that's it. Play the Schubert. Philippe? No, please. Let me hear him play. It's Anton. No, his son. Beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? Still a little tentative.
1: Oh, but don't you see? That's the beauty of it. That hesitancy is what makes it so beautiful. Beautiful because it's Philippe doing what he has to do.
2: He's finding his way. Finding his way? Yes, of course. That's it. It's what we all have to do. We have to find our way.
0: Impromptu was a joint production from the Company of Ten and Radio Verulam. Gisella Hoffman was played by Anne Stafford-Murray, Madame Barbier by Jill Stratford, Florence Barbier by Becky Baird and Madame VR by Tina Swain. Philippe's version of Schubert's Impromptu in A-flat major was recorded specially for this production by Julian Trevelyan. It was written by Derek Rhodes, directed by Tina Swain and produced by Luke Judge and Nick Hazel.